Hello and welcome to Natural Health Simplified, where we help you cut through the noise and provide simple, science-based strategies to help you live a healthy life. I'm Bobby Mehta from Blackmores Institute, and today I'm joined by director of the Blackmores Institute, pharmacist, naturopath and respected author, Professor Leslie Braun. Today we're going to discuss coffee, and more specifically, the health impacts of coffee. Now, coffee is consumed worldwide, with recent figures suggesting over 2 billion cups of coffee are consumed globally every single day. Now, with coffee consumption growing, it seems like the perfect opportunity to explore the evidence for coffee's health impacts. Welcome to Natural Health Simplified. How are you, Leslie? Hi, Bobby. I tell you, I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I love my coffee. I'm a bit of a coffee snob and really looking forward to unpacking this for everyone today. Wonderful. Now, look, just to get us started, I thought I'd get you to give us a brief overview of the main constituents of coffee. I know many of us are already aware of caffeine, and of course, we'll take a closer look at caffeine in a little bit. But what are the other notable substances found in coffee that we really need to be aware of? You're right, Bobby. I think most people are aware of caffeine, but they're probably not aware of the fact that there's a couple of other really key components that you find in coffee. And in fact, there's four of them. So the first one's caffeine, which we all know about. The next one is a group called diterpenes. The third one is chlorogenic acid. And the fourth one is known as melanoidins. Now, depending on how you make your coffee, you can get slightly different variations in the amount of these different things in your coffee at the end of the day. So we're going to be talking about how preparation of coffee beans and your coffee in general makes a difference as well. Yeah, well, apart from the caffeine, I can't say that I'm familiar with the other substances you mentioned there. Now, what exactly are they? So I'll start with the diterpenes. These are found in the natural oils in the coffee bean. I've never heard of them. Are they important? They are actually very important. In fact, a recent meta-analysis that was published in the American Journal of Epidemiology found that they are actually linked to the way that coffee has an effect on cholesterol levels. And in fact, they're starting to recognise that these diterpenes may have an effect on cholesterol to raise the cholesterol levels. So not always a good thing. No, I've never heard of that. I didn't know there was any link with uh, lipids or cholesterol. So what did the meta-analysis actually find? Well, the research did show that there is a dose-related response between how much coffee you consume and both total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol. However, there were a couple of really interesting variations. So, for example, caffeinated or boiled coffees had a stronger effect, whereas if you had unfiltered coffee, that had a very negligible effect on serum cholesterol overall. So the way you have your coffee and you roast your beans makes a big difference. Who knew? So much more to the humble cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, But what's the link with the diterpenes you mentioned? Well, there was a study that was done a number of years ago, back in 1997, actually, and it found that these diterpenes more specifically not only had a um, different amount ultimately in the final coffee that you brewed up, but also the amount that you drank made a really big difference. So I'll give you some examples. When you have a look at Scandinavian-style board coffee or Turkish-style coffee, that contains the highest amount of these diterpenes. In contrast, if you have instant or drip-filtered coffee brews, they've got negligible amounts of the diterpenes. Also, espresso coffee sits somewhere in the middle. So it really explains how you've got different effects due to the diterpenes depending on how the coffee's made. Lucky for me, I'm not a big uh, coffee drinker. I don't go for all these fancy sorts of coffees, so I should be okay. It looks like uh, instant or filtered coffee is a way to go to minimise the negative effects on your cholesterol. Yep. Uh, that's good to know because that's pretty much what I drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Leslie, you also mentioned chlorogenic acid. Now, what's the story with that chemical? 
Chlorogenic acid's been in the research quite a lot for a lot of very good reasons, actually. So regular consumption of coffee has been associated with a lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And it's this chlorogenic acid that seems to be the protective component you find in the coffee. In fact, the chlorogenic acid has been found to be an insulin sensitizer, so it can increase insulin effects. And that's how it's thought to play a role in glucose metabolism as well. Oh, so does that mean we should be recommending coffee to all our diabetics? It's not quite that simple. While coffee has been associated with a reduced risk of developing diabetes, it can be a completely different story if you've already got diabetes. In fact, regular, high consumption of coffee can really play around with your glucose levels. So it's important for people with diabetes that drink a lot of caffeine to make sure they really understand their blood sugar levels and how they respond. I see. So... Look, with the cholesterol-raising action of the diterpenes and the diabetes-risk-lowering action of the chlorogenic acid, I'm starting to get mixed vibes about my coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it is a bit of a mixed bag, as with most things, to be honest. However, it's also fascinating, and there's going to be a lot more really interesting research come through, particularly with the chlorogenic acid. In fact, there's already been some interesting research showing a potential future role with chlorogenic acid in preventing and treating obesity... And this has been shown in large population studies as well as animal studies. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what else is going to come through on this chlorogenic acid. And even more so, there's been some interesting links between this component and glucose metabolism and also lipid metabolism. So watch this space. Mm. Now, there was another component of coffee you mentioned as well. I can't remember the name of it. Yep, the melanoidins. That was number three. And in fact, you know that the extent that you roast your coffee can not only affect the flavour, but also can affect the amount of melanoidins that you find in your coffee coffee at the end of the day as well. So these melanoidins, are they beneficial or are they harmful to health? Great question. Um, The melanoidins are also known as MRPs or Maillard Reaction Products. And that's named after the Maillard Reaction, which takes place during the roasting of the coffee beans. So the good news is that they are considered a functional food and they have potential pro-healthy properties. So overall, coffee being a significant source of melanoidins is actually a good thing. So pro-healthy property sounds a bit formal, doesn't it? What what (laughs) sort of properties are we talking about here? Well, the melanoidins have shown to have a range of different effects. They are antioxidant. They also are antimicrobial. They have got effects to reduce blood pressure, believe it or not, Mm. anti-allergenic and also prebiotic as well. So the research is quite promising. Look, the jury's not out yet, but it's looking good so far. Okay, and now finally, we can't talk about the health impact of coffee without discussing the elephant in the room. Caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know that caffeine's a stimulant and it can increase activity in the brain and the nervous system. And we know people use it to feel refreshed and help them stay focused and alert. But we also hear so much about it. What's the latest research telling us? Is it good? Is it bad? You always hear mixed stuff about caffeine. I suspect it's not going to be as simple as being either good or bad, is it? No, caffeine really is a mixed bag. <laughs> Look, the average cup of coffee can differ in its caffeine content, not just in the amount of diterpenes in there or melanoidins. Caffeine is also affected as well. That you can find around 63 milligrams of caffeine in instant or espresso coffee to nearly 100 milligrams per cup in a home-brewed coffee and even as high as 235 milligrams for a coffee shop wow. brewed coffee. So it makes a big difference, um, your type of coffee and your caffeine uh, levels in that as well. The other thing that's really interesting to take into account is that caffeine is really quickly absorbed. And in fact, you start to get effects within 15 minutes and they can last for a couple of hours. So a cup of coffee doesn't give you that caffeine stimulating effect all day. It happens quickly, but also it drops back fairly quickly as well. 
And also, once it's been absorbed, uh, it passes into the brain where it exerts some of its most well-known effects, doesn't it? And eventually it gets metabolized in the liver before uh, being excreted in the urine. But even this can vary, can't it, person to person? Yep, that's absolutely true. And it's really interesting when you look at the way people metabolize different things, including how they metabolize caffeine. So in general, it's metabolized between 2.5 to 4.5 hours. So that's the half-life of caffeine. But people who are cigarette smokers tend to metabolise their caffeine far more quickly and it can in fact reduce the half-life by even 50%. Now in pregnancy it's the opposite and pregnancy means that you actually have an extended half-life which is why when you're pregnant it may seem to you that you're more sensitive to caffeine and Mm -hmm. the caffeine effects last longer. Whereas for cigarette smokers they seem to be less sensitive to caffeine and the effects last for a much shorter period of time. And I know that as well as smokers and pregnancy you can also be genetically predisposed to being either a fast or slow caffeine metabolizer as well. But the big question that I really want to get answered from you today, Leslie, is whether or not caffeine is good for our health. Now, can you answer that? I can, but probably not in the way you'd like. Look, I think the thing that we've realised is when it comes to caffeine, there is a lot of individual variation. And so knowing yourself and how you respond to caffeine is really, really important. We know that lifestyle choices such as cigarette smoking, for example, or if you're pregnant, will affect the way you metabolise caffeine. And so therefore, you'll appear to be more sensitive or less sensitive to caffeine, and it'll last in your body for a longer period of time. In terms of the right amount, what do the experts say? Well, according to the research, you can have up to five standard cups of coffee a day, and that's been associated with a reduced risk of several chronic diseases. But, Bobby, I couldn't do that. Honestly, that would be too much for me. Two is maximum for me. Um, speaking about maximum, there are limits that authorities have put forward, and there is a limit of 400 milligrams of caffeine per day for adults that aren't pregnant or breastfeeding. And if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, then you'll need to cut that down by half after 200 milligrams a day is your limit. Thanks, Leslie. So just to recap, we've discussed the components of coffee, such as the diterpenes that can negatively impact cholesterol levels, especially in Scandinavian-style boiled coffee and fancy Turkish-style coffee. (laughs) And then there was chlorogenic acid and its benefits in diabetes risk reduction and the melanoidins that had a variety of health benefits, including antioxidant properties. Finally, we've just looked at caffeine as well. And I guess the bottom line comes back to the old cliche, everything in moderation, doesn't it? That's absolutely right. Look, coffee's certainly got a lot of potential health benefits, but it's not as straightforward as people think, and also people really need to be aware of what's right for them. Overall, it's a mixed bag, but that's not going to stop me having my coffee again tomorrow. (laughs) Thanks so much, Leslie. What a fabulous and interesting look at coffee. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Thanks, Bobby, for having me. I hope you've also enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I look forward to you joining me again soon for another episode. I'm Bobby Mehta, and this has been Natural Health Simplified. Until next time, goodbye for now. Now.